This is the Tao of Christ, and I'm Marsha Davis. In this podcast, I explore the mystical roots of Christianity, which Jesus called the Kingdom of God, which church historian Evelyn Underhill called the Unit of Life, and which Richard Rohr calls the Universal Christ, and which I refer to as Christian non-duality, unitive awareness, or union with God. This is the Tao of Christ. Good morning, this is Marshall Davis. I'm recording this outside on this nice September day in New Hampshire. Uh, So you might hear some nature sounds or some vehicles going by. It rained last night, so it might be a little bit uh, noisier on the road than normal. Today I'm going to be talking about peace. One of the most obvious expressions of unitive awareness is peace. The Bible describes it as peace that surpasses human understanding. It is an unmerited gift that one cannot earn or work for because it has nothing to do with our efforts as individual selves. It's a manifestation of Christ or the Spirit of God in us. As Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, Neither let them be afraid. Peace is a gift that comes with the recognition of our true nature, which is perfect peace. And yet it seems that peace can be accepted and nurtured, or it can be ignored and rejected. In other words, once we see this peace as our true nature, there seems to be a choice whether or not to allow that peace to be conscious reality in our lives or not. There are things that we can do to make it more of a constant conscious reality. In the words of the Bible, we can seek peace and pursue it. Let me give you a couple of examples from my experience. One is the Facebook issue that I mentioned in a previous episode. I was noticing that Facebook was disturbing my peace, so I disabled my Facebook account. I originally did it just for seven days to see if it really made a difference, but before that seven days was up, the difference was so remarkable that I have now disabled it indefinitely. For days afterwards, I would be reading some article that I would have gotten from one of the religious news sources newsletters that I subscribed to. I would want to share what I read on Facebook and then I would then remember that I was no longer on Facebook. It took me about a week or so to get out of the habit of thinking about sharing things on Facebook. But the spiritual reward of not using Facebook is so much greater than the psychological reward that I got from being on it. Another example is the evening news. For decades, I have watched the television evening news. Originally, it was the McNeil-Lair Report back in the 1980s on PBS. And then I got into the habit of watching the mainstream network news, ABC, CBS, NBC. But then the news changed. It has become increasingly disturbing in recent years. Not so much 
as to what is happening in the world, but the way it's being presented. So I tried alternative sources and went back to PBS to watch the PBS News Hour. I tried BBC America. Even that was too much. It seemed like the whole purpose of the, e the evening news was to get people to react emotionally and not in a good way. So I cut the cord. I stopped watching the news. At first, I limited myself to one night a week, Friday night. That was my news night. But then I cut that out as well. I still keep informed of what's happening in the world through print media, online. I'm not hiding my head in the sand, whistling in the dark, pretending everything's all right with the world. It's not a matter of out of sight, out of mind, or ignorance is bliss. In fact, I'm much better informed now, much more depth of understanding of what's going on in the world than I was when I was relying mainly on television for information. But now I'm getting that information without all the fear-mongering. Third example is presidential politics, especially this election. I have shared before that the 45th president of the United States disturbs me. I think he is the most dangerous man to occupy the White House in my lifetime and possibly in the history of my country. I've also shared how he has benefited me spiritually by causing me to look inside myself for the reasons why he upsets me so much. But his actions and his words still disturb my peace. So do the words of his supporters, who include family and friends. I realized that it did no good to argue with or even try to dialogue with these family and friends, so I stopped. I still read about his antics and his tweets in the news, and I still take my stand on issues and public protests, and I vote in elections. I'm going to be doing that very soon in the primary election here in New Hampshire. I do what I can to work for a more just and compassionate society, but I do not let him or his supporters disturb my peace. Now, some might think that unitive awareness would be able to handle all of the evil and the violence and the injustice and the hate in the world and remain unperturbed. Some think that non-duality equals indifference and being impassive and being above and not caring well, anything that happens in this dualistic world. And maybe that is your experience. In my experience, God in us is not impassive or uncaring. God is love and justice. Christ in us is not emotionless. He is, after all, the one who overturned the tables of the money changers. God is the one who inspired the Old Testament prophets to speak out against the rulers when they were oppressing the poor and engaging in institutional violence against the most vulnerable of the population. 
as the verse in Psalms and in First Peter says, reject evil, do good, seek peace, and pursue it. To seek peace, we reject evil and do good. That means to be in touch with divine compassion and justice. This is how Christian non-duality may be different from expressions of non-duality in other religious traditions. The biblical tradition has a long history of striving for social justice and expressing compassion. But our expressions of this divine justice must come from inner peace and not from temperamental ego. In fact, that's the only way that true peace and justice can thrive if social and political action come out of the little self, the egoic identity, then it will not bring lasting peace and justice. But if it comes from unity of awareness, then God's kingdom can come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, just as Jesus taught us to pray. Outward actions are an overflow of inner peace and not a reaction to outer discord. So it means proaction rather than reaction. I think that this is what Jesus meant when he said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. This is also the spiritual truth behind that difficult verse when Jesus says to resist not evil. If you resist evil, it means that you are strengthening it because evil feeds off the fight. It loves when people return evil for evil because it increases evil. But an eye for an eye, as Gandhi said, only makes the whole world blind. Non-resistance to evil means non-violence. We do not fight violence with violence, whether that be verbal or emotional or psychological or physical violence. That only begets more violence. Instead, we work proactively and positively for peace and justice. Although some of the physical actions may appear in outward sense to be the same, the source of the action makes all the difference. Peacemaking encourages peace in the hearts of the enemy. Fighting evil with evil, violence with violence, only sows the seeds of future evil and violence and injustice. As Abraham Lincoln said, do I not destroy my enemies when I make them my friends? That is peacemaking. Peace comes from our true nature and is expressed in outward attitudes and actions. God, our true self, works through us. As that song says, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. I am no less committed to political or social action. I am, in fact, more committed, but it comes not out of the self with all its self-righteousness and inner violence. It comes from the spirit of peace, and that makes a difference when it comes to maintaining inner peace. So those are three big examples from my life, but there are many everyday examples. In fact, the spiritual life is about everyday awareness of all things, great and small, that make for peace, and noticing those things 
that do not make for peace, that make for war, you could say, in the hearts of people and in the world, and avoiding those, rejecting those. As Titnak Han says, peace is every step you take. The spiritual life is going through everyday activities following the path of peace. The way of the Tao, the way of Christ, being aware how every word and thought and action either fosters peace or undermines it. You can call this the practice of mindfulness in peacemaking. This is what the Bible means when it says, seek peace and pursue it. Peace is a gift. It is a gift to be cherished and nurtured, not allowed to be compromised by the psychological violence that's so much a part of the dualistic world, including the news media and the political process these days. Reject evil, do good, seek peace, and pursue it. That's it for today. Grace and peace to you. That is the Tao of Christ for today. Thank you for listening. You can access other episodes of this podcast at thedowofchrist.com. You can also find these podcasts in video format at my YouTube channel at christiannonduality.net. My blog, Spiritual Reflections, can be found at marshalldavis.us. There you will also find a link to my books and my email address. Join me next time for another episode of The Tao of Christ.